Welcome to A Trip to the Movies, I'm Alex Zane and this episode is brought to you by Odeon because if you're going to watch a movie, it has to be at an Odeon Lux. For me, there's no better place to experience the mesmerising magic of the big screen and when I say big, I mean crystal clear, four times sharper, subtly curved, larger than life, I sense big. A place where you can recline in luxury while sipping on your favourite beverage as you immerse yourself in the all-consuming power of the story, enriched by epic Dolby Atmos that will make your spine tingle and the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Now that is how to experience a movie and there's no better feeling. You can book your Odeon Lux experience at odeon.co.uk or on the Odeon app. Odeon say, we make movies better. And they're not wrong. Okay, just before we welcome today's guest taking us on a trip to the movies, a quick reminder to check in with us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, where we're at Trip to Movies Pod, and subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Also, while you're there, it would be lovely if you'd leave us a little review. Finally, if you like your interviews in a more visual format, head over to our Patreon, where as well as getting exclusive extras for each episode, you can also access the full video interview with each of our guests. Right then, let's do this. Hello, welcome to A Trip to the Movies, the podcast where each week a special guest takes us on an incredible journey as they curate their perfect night out at our fantastic virtual cinema. This week, we're joined by a brilliant actor who's delivered some incredible performances in the likes of the wonderful Haunting of Bly Manor and more recently playing Sheriff Hassan in the immaculate Midnight Mass. He's continuing his amazing creative relationship with filmmaker Mike Flanagan on not one, but two upcoming series. Taking us on today's trip to the movies, it's the wonderful Raul Coley. Hello. Hey. Hey. Thank you. When you said fantastic actor or something, um, I, uh, my heart swelled. You're lying, but I appreciate no. it. I loved the intro. You know I'm not. You know I'm not. Just, uh, <laughs> I mean, we did. Last time, when was it? It was October, October 2021. That was the last time we spoke when we did that crazy deep dive on Midnight Well, Night. we did two, right? We, mm. did, we did just a general one and then... Like that was a week or two before Mass came out, so we just came back and did did just a Mass one, um, which was awesome. Yeah, I did just see the first episode of the Fall of the House of Usher a couple of weeks ago. Oh my um, god! Which okay. is the new one we're working on. Yeah, yeah we Mike showed uh, a handful of us the pilot and and and, uh, and yeah, and. it's fucking that one's good. It's a yeah. it's a good one. It's obviously the completely different um in in so many ways um but it's just it's exciting because it's never the same thing and it's it's uh everyone's doing something different than they've already done and um yeah the general vibe was we were all very excited to to see the rest of it and share it with the, with the world when it's ready and you, uh, you found out that you were going to be in i mean mike said look i want you in uh, fall of the house of usher while you were still doing mass yeah yeah, he's he's done that every time. Every time I'm on something, he tells me what the next thing is that he wants me to do, which almost pollutes my brain because I'm like, I'm playing what, and you still got a job to do. But it's also smart because it means that like I'm even better behaved just in case I'm 
I'm taken off the list because <laughs> you've got the it tells you early enough that he's like, hey man, it's like it could be day one, episode one. I'm like, it's like, I like you for this. And then when like you don't get your fucking frappuccino on a on a cold night or whatever, or, or when you're stressed out, you think, no, no, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be a prick. <laughs> not that that's true, not that I would. I'm just saying, like it, yeah, you do feel like you always want to deliver because one, I mean, like, yeah, I, I respect him very much and we're good friends now. And um, I remember I got a text from Mike. Uh, I, he sent the scripts to me quite early, but he sent me a text three months or two months before filming. And it was, um, I have a meeting with someone for a role and it was Mark Hamill. <laughs> and and obviously he knew how I would react to that. And... <laughs> But the deal wasn't done. He hadn't even had the meeting yet. But Mark was a fan of Mass, I believe, and 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 whatever. And um, and then a couple of months later, um, and then he sent me that that night he, after his meeting, he sent me a selfie with Mark. And then, um, yeah, I, when all the paperwork went through and it was announced, it was it was nuts. And then, yeah, I got to spend some time with Mark um, filming and became friends with Mark Hamill. Which so it's been a very strange year. You seem to be playing it very cool. I mean, I, I know from our previous conversations, you're a huge mm. Star Wars fan. Had you met Mark Hamill before? What was Yeah, but Mark wasn't Mark wasn't in Attack of the Clones, so I didn't care that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, we, we're not gonna do this dance again. I actually No, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not. No, we're not. you you did you did kind of convince me last time we spoke to to revisit the the prequels and I did do that and my point still stands. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to happen. Um, no, I, I hadn't met Mark before. I talked, no, um, it was a very strange day because I was working that day and um, like I felt like Mike and Trevor Macy, our producer, and, and everyone, they, they, they would come up to me and even our, our makeup, like Krista and uh, everyone I had a, a contact with from arriving on set to 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 meeting mark would go have you met him yet (laughs) and so like i I got to this like weird teenager thing i was like no fuck off i've got work to do yeah i don't care but i knew that everyone was like and then i felt this pressure that i had to like overreact almost because like it'd been hyped up so then i was like what do i do do i just sort of say all right mark how you doing nice to meet you and then just leave it um and then when I was brought on, even though like our AD uh, at the time, I think Morgan was our AD, everyone was around us in this like weird semicircle. <laughs> so do you know what I mean? Like all these pressures on and, and I was like, do I cry? And then I knew I could see Mike was like, had a phone out. And then I was so in my head and then Mark looks up and he goes, oh, there's the Star Wars fan. Before I'd even said hello. And it just disarmed me straight away. And then we we had a, a quick chat. And then, um, yeah, and then we had a, a proper long chat that day. And I, it was just super sweet. He said something to me that will stay with me forever. Because he asked me, like, you know, about my journey. And and I was like, why did why did you become an actor? Were your parents in the business? And, and I was like, no, I this isn't bullshit, but... Um, my dad bought me the special editions in 1997 and on VHS and after binging him, I like the same story I told you, I, 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 I was like, oh, I need to be in this industry. And then 
through that became an actor trying to be in Star Wars and Mark said something along the lines of like, well, I'm glad we made something that inspired you to become an actor because you're fantastic or something along those lines. Wow. And I just was like, and then I, I, I went home that night we rapped like quite late and I was in the car and I, I uh, called my mum on the speakerphone and told her how the day went and uh, told her he said that and she started to cry. And then I kind of got a bit emotional too. Cause yeah, it's the truth. So like, it's not like I'm, I make more of it than it was. It's it, my parents know that obviously, but, and they know how much that meant to me, but he's incredible. He's one of the exceptions to the rule of never meet your heroes. Um, uh, he's so much time and he'll talk to you about empire strikes back if you want, or, you know, working with Kevin Conroy and, how the joker happened and he'll even do bits from it it's like it's so awesome um and it's it's a real like check as well you know like you think you're jaded or you think that you're recognizable or you're tired of talking about what the brains are made of from my zombie or something and mark hamill is mark hamill is is, is experiencing something that very few people on the planet experience he's he is mickey mouse and coca-cola and he's luke skywalker and every single person on set, even in his safe place in his work, are still like regressing into teenagers when they see him. You could see grips and and everyone's like, all right. Like you have that effect and he and he carries it with such class and that is that is a things to achieve in life box certainly ticked for you, man. Oh yeah. 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 And the fact that we like became sort of mates was the cherry on top. Cause even if it was just that, and then, you know, but then the fact that we both, you know, he's got a wicked sense of humor and, um, I even bought him, uh, we're not allowed to post the pictures cause we're in costume, unfortunately, but I, um, I, I, I know that he likes Liverpool. The city's a big Beatles fan and he, he identifies as a Liverpool supporter just because of the city. So I oh, bought him a Liverpool could, shirt. Any better for you? Back. This is yeah. amazing. <laughs> so there's a picture of us holding his his new Liverpool shirt, um, but we can't post it because we're both in fucking costume. So this, the kit's going to be out of season by the time we're allowed to. Show <laughs> <it>. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, video game number four, five, four. Wait, you've done. So wait, let me get this right. You've done uh, Rage Two, uh, yeah. Gears Five. Fortnite, Fortnite. You're the Ghostbusters. Ori- this is it. This is the one I want to talk about. Yeah. 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 Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters it's, out, it's out soon. I it's out it, real soon. November, I believe. I think is it is. It? I, think <laughs> it's mid- I think it's October. It might be October. Yeah. It's, um, that was fun. It's actually written by friends of mine, James, James and Elise Willems, who I did a ton of like comedy videos and podcasts that I think will get me cancelled in 10 years. There's them ones. They're like these time bombs that are on the internet where we made these jokes that are going to age poorly. But um, but yeah, we um, they they were writing Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed and um, and uh, them, them and Jared, the, the guy's director, I guess, reached out and were like, hey, would you do a voice for us? Uh, I was like, sure, it's Ghostbusters. I'm, you know, it's one of the earliest loves. And um, and then they were like, we're thinking of Tobin. Um, and 
which was insane because obviously it's first mentioned in good you know the Tobin spirit guide so i was like yeah, oh wow yeah. i'm part of the i'm and he'd never been i think he's been in the graphic novels yeah or the comic books but he's never been voiced um and it's pretty serious stuff because like um it has to like ghost core who like they're like the lucas film of the ghostbusters world is it's reitman right mm-hmm. um even in these games and stuff you've got to consult the universe and say are we cool like can we do this with the character can we do this and when they pitched me i heard um they were like so we we want to we're going to voice get a voice for tobin and 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 we're thinking of this actor roll cody and apparently i don't know this is true it's what jared told me in the meeting jason reitman pulled out his phone and went to my twitter it's because he didn't know who i was and searched my name. And the first post he saw was a Photoshop of Sheriff Hassan with his cock out. That I posted. <laughs> and I think I had the caption dignity or something. Cause I got a text and he was like, for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> but then they still went with it. So yeah, I got to voice Tobin um, and put, put, put a voice to him, which was like, yeah, again, it's one of them things. It's another call with my mum. Because my mum, you know, and my dad, they, you know, my best birthday present ever was best birthday and Christmas happened in the same year. And it was birthday was the proton pack. I remember when I got that before school. And then Christmas, there was just this large box under the tree. I was like, what is it? I had no idea and opened it up and it was the fire station, right? Um, And to a kid, that thing was humongous. Yeah, so for them to see me now, like, being a Ghostbusters properties, it's wild. Do you want to know something else that's also wild? This! Rahul, you are now about to take us on your perfect night out at the cinema. What wonders and memories await? Let's go on a trip to the movies. So, we push open the doors to our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's an excited buzz as there always is in a cinema foyer. They hum of anticipation. It's your perfect cinema trip. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? Is it just one? You you can have as many as you like. Because this oh. is the... I, I obviously had a, you know, peek behind the curtain. I had a little peek at these questions, right? right. Just so I didn't have to sit here trying to, like, blag it like my GCSEs. <laughs> this is the one that stumped me the most. Because I want to go. I'm on my own. But for the sake of it, because that's a really crap answer, I, I'm stuck because I would like to say my missus because she'd be annoyed. And like, I do like watching stuff because she's a writer and we bounce off each other quite well and we have different perspectives. But I'm stuck between George Lucas and Daniel Day-Lewis. George, one, I know he's got a wicked sense of humor because we're starting to see all these little clips. He's And I've heard he's like actually hilarious, right? But we don't get to see these sides of these people. With Day Lewis, I'd lo- why I again. It depends what we watch. Um, it would give me so much joy to watch something with Daniel Day Lewis, right? And it be like Top Gun Maverick, and he's like, "Fucking love that!" Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see some four-hour art house film. I want to go see a popcorn film with Daniel Day-Lewis and for him to be like, that was great. I especially <laughs> loved, you know, the kid who played this or whatever. I don't know, something that's not 
day Lewisy, and then <laughs> talk about like the joy of cinema without the pomp and like and i love finding great performances in sh- films that have no right to be there you know someone like over delivered when they didn't need to it wasn't it wasn't the assignment man but you came in and you just fucking <laughs> killed it and like to talk to another actor about that would be amazing it's my weird picks. That's 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 good, George Lucas. I mean, I th- I think you're right. I think he is uh, hilarious. I, I remember watching the making of the Phantom Menace uh, yeah. behind the scenes documentary, and and he says on camera, he says uh, the the thing uh, the thing is uh, about Jar Jar Binks. The reason it's exciting <laughs> is because the Star Wars universe has never had a character this funny. So I I, mm. I think if we reversion that as him being being hilarious, then I, I'll take yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, there's also a clip. I think it's from Seth. Doesn't he slap someone in a in a? Have you seen this? It's no. him firing someone. He shoots a, a comedy sketch at his headquarters and like slaps a staff member. And I don't know. He anyway. And then there's another video. Isn't he? Some dudes just on the street in New York, like on a news thing, and George just walks by with a coffee and then sees the camera <laughs> and just walks. But like. <laughs> It's really weird. It's got nothing to do with George Lucas. He just, I don't know, anyway. But I'd love to talk to him all day long about film and um, and his relationship as well. And, and also fandom and audience. I don't think there's anyone who's, you know, I mean, yeah, James Cameron. There's, but but like George is such a a master of all in a lot of ways. And, and has anyone experienced fandom like George Lucas? Mm-hmm. He's like a modern day Tolkien in that respect. He's also a businessman. He's also... He, you know, he created a, an IP out of nothing that just, you know, he's one dude and, 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 and I'd love to talk about, you know, I'd probably love to go see a Disney movie with him and, and, and be like, what did you think? Did you like it? Did you like Disney? And how was that? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> did you, what, what did you think of, uh, of, uh, the rise of Skywalker? Is it what you would have mm, done? Did, yeah. Yeah. Was it better than what you would have done? <laughs> okay. You're with George. Great. There's a clock on the wall in the foyer. It reads a specific time. What time have you gone to the cinema? What time of day? 1 p.m. Exactly 1 p.m. Why? I fucking hate crowds. I hate people so goddamn much. Um, I will try and choose a time uh, path of the least resistance. So I like to go... I also like, I'm getting old. I get tired at night. And if I start watching something and it's not got a controller in my hands, I start falling asleep. But yeah, I'll, I'm going to choose like lunchtime, something where I know people are still at work. And George is at OAP, isn't it? Yeah. You got to think about your audience. It's yeah. not a sexy, sexy date. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's already probably getting late for him at one and the movies are going to be done till three, four. Yeah. <laughs> that is so considerate. You're looking out for George. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. So you booked the tickets for us. Where in the cinema are you sitting? What seat have you booked? That's a great question. More often than not, I don't like doing this if it's packed. If it's packed, I'm, uh, you know, I do want everyone wants that 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 center, not the complete back, somewhere in that like final third, right in the middle. Um. I get anxiety with that because I know that that's going to be a shit zone for a big movie release uh, of people talking. And you also, you don't have to like be disruptive and be, and like be an asbo kid or whatever. 
I just mean, I don't even like it when like, you know, Chris Hemsworth caught the hammer and you go, oh my God. I'm like, dude, I, so I, I'm, I, no one likes going to movies with me. I just, I'm like, just shut up, man. I want it like a library. Um, so if it's packed, I'll try and find like, again, I'll pick the seats of least resistance. So I might take an aisle to the corner because I know no one's going to be around me, but um, it's empty right now. And George is, you know, he's created THX. He's, he'd be annoyed if we're not center in the final third. So I would have to go for the, the best sound visual experience. Imagine though it's full and mm. you've got people lining either side and you're in the middle you know, I mean, we haven't discovered yet what movie you're watching, but if it's over two hours, uh, you, George, even you, I know I might need the toilet. I have a weak bladder. No, but you know what? Knowing what movie I'm going to watch and all the, you know, I need, I want, I want, that's going to take precedent and it's going to be loud anyway. I'm not worried about that. I don't get up to pee. Um, George can. Um no, I'm taking. I'm going to take it. I'm going to, no matter what, packed or not, I'm taking. We're taking. We're going to sit center because that's it, right? So the the yeah, having those perfect freaking seats, like especially IMAX, like that's that's again, nothing compares to IMAX for me. Like that's always a, a thing that was going to drag me right to because you're like, I could watch it at home. It could even see it on a one o'clock showing around there, or I could drive forty five minutes and see it in IMAX like it's supposed to be and. So it's always when it comes to the tech and, and the experience, that's what that's what motivates my move to the cinema. Yeah. I mean, the IMAX thing, I've seen movies in IMAX that I've absolutely adored, that I found some of the most immersive cinema. Blade Runner 2049, for example, I, I watched mm. that in IMAX, and I, 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 I swore there and then it was one of the greatest films I'd ever experienced in a cinema. And that's true. But I watched it at home, and, you know, my TV's not shabby, but it's just yeah. not the same. It just fundamentally no. is not the same. Dunkirk, like, you know, by the, that experience in IMAX, um, going into it pretty, like, I didn't really know much about it other than the historic stuff, but yeah, holy crap, my heart was pounding. The, 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 um, it was exhausting, the TikToking, you know, the, the constant, tick he has of that stopwatch and soundtrack and the freaking oh like i felt like in some of the sequences you'd have to like almost get like you had to look because i don't know like you had to physically move because well, i think we were pretty close to this imax screen and then by the time freaking brits come and they're playing um what's it nimrod whatever that thing is that they uh hans did the comfort version of the song that swells up and plays when the boats come I was in fucking tears, just seeing some Union Jacks. Um, even though I know that, like, there, I think they just uh, three thousand Indian soldiers just ignored. Yep, I didn't care. As soon as I saw that Union Jack, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, um, that IMAX can do things to you. It can, it can elevate stuff for sure." All right. The air is full of wonderful smells in the foyer. All manner of snacks and foodstuffs are available at various counters. What do you usually choose to eat? Um, I'm 50-50 on popcorn. Depends on my mood. Hmm. I'm more of the the Sour Patch Kids, uh, M&Ms. I like, I like the candy. Oh, you know what I miss? Because, again, I've not been home in so long. Pick a mix. Pick a mix is number one. Fucking love a pick a mix. That's what I'm getting. We're in the UK, 
so I can have pick and mix. You can have pick and mix. They don't do pick yeah. and mix in the US. No pick and mix. Not like nah, not like um do they I've not really seen it. Like I, you can get like you'll get like a your milk duds or whatever these they yeah. you know. Bleh. But uh red vines, they'll sit there or whatever. But like not you're not getting like you're not getting them pink shrimps and the yellow bananas and throwing it in with like sour laces and Coca-Cola bottles and all that shit coming out with like two pounds for, <laughs> of sugar for 60 pounds or whatever. But but no, I missed that. Like that was get hopped up on sugar and yeah, that 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 was my go-to. Pick and mix it is. All right, popcorn, sweet or salted? Sweet. Sweet. The I like sugar. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, pick and mix. Yeah. yeah, 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 I get you, but the correct answer is salted. Actually, the correct answer is like, uh, this is the American in me, it's dripping in butter. That's become a freaking thing out here, man, just the pump like the melted butter before you go in well you pump it on yourself so you can have as much butter there's no cut off on the butter well the last time i um went and saw well, yeah there was um i went to see the last imax i was at maybe it was a covid thing and they're just making us butter our own popcorn because it was it was when we saw me and rob thomas who wrote you know made eye zombie yeah we saw suicide squad together and we had to do almost everything ourselves. So we were like, you, they gave you a cup and your butt and your and your bag of popcorn and you did your fountain drinks yourself. And then we stood by this fucking giant butter pump. Just pumping away. Yeah, just pumping away. Just getting getting that heart attack, early heart attack in. Um, okay, I'm going to say <laughs> sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right it's time to leave the foyer and walk down the corridor towards the auditorium posters along the cinema wall illustrate some of your most important movie memories the first poster depicts your fondest movie memory what is your fondest movie memory i've had a few if i was keeping it true old school something ingrained in my brain it might be jurassic park it was my dad took me, um, knew I loved, I was, and I was at the perfect age, man. Dinosaurs. It's when every kid is dinosaur obsessed. They figure this out and all your books and everything. Dinosaur, dinosaur, dinosaur. And the thing is, I was a kid, so I probably didn't even appreciate just how spectacular the filmmaking was and how uh, cutting edge the um, special effects from ILM were. But for that, however long, dinosaur, they were, it was real. It was legit. Like, it was a documentary. Um, and, yeah, and I just I just remember sitting with my dad, and I know he we both just had this phenomenal time. And then, of course, the merch happens afterwards, and then I need all the T-shirts and uh, coloring books and stuff. But Jurassic Park, for me, is my earliest kind of wander at cinema and just, like the first, uh, I think it was a Diplodocus or Diplodocus, whatever, or Brachius or whatever, the first time that they see and it, oh yeah, you know, goes up and it pumps down. And and then when you get into like the, the T-Rex's first reveal and the fucking iris and the pupil dilates, it was a, it was a documentary. I watched the documentary. That's how it felt. That's one of my fondest movie memories. It's 
it's it's you know those tiny little moments in 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 a movie that you're never quite sure if it just happened accidentally, but I I imagine always that the actor knew what they were doing. I think it's the way Sam Neill takes his glasses off when they first see those brachiosaurus. The, oh, the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. It sort of like they sort of like sort of crumple off his face, like he doesn't take yeah. them off properly. It's not like I don't whip them off. They just sort of like it's it just captures yeah he, he like, just... the awe. No, you're right. It's you're yeah, absolutely right. It's because you could just just take it off, but he does it in this very natural, <laughs> yeah, awkward way. It's yeah, yeah. No, um, that's that's what that's my. But that's for cinema, not movie. That's that was my first like real important cinema moment. Yeah, you're not is- gonna like. You're not gonna like what movie I put up on there. Oh, but don't- it ain't Attack of the Clones. I won't put Attack of the Clones in there. Um, but the lobby was playing the love theme across the stars. Just so you know, <laughs> they're still in homage. Um, no, you're walking down that corridor, and uh, I've got a few posters, right? I've got a couple. Yeah, of posters. yeah, yeah. So the second movie poster that we're passing now is your worst movie memory. What is it? This poster depicts your worst movie memory. The Dark Knight. I'm going to immediately assume it's not because of the film; it's because of something that happened. Yeah, yeah. This was back in the UK. What happened was, um, long time in advance, in 2008, I managed to secure the IMAX tickets, perfect seats, for the first showing of The Dark Knight. So uh, we would have been in um, South Bank or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And I got them. And I got four. So it was for me and my boys. And... um, and I was a massive Begins fan, so this was a big deal for me. I was so excited and following every like tidbit of, of information about this movie. Anyway, my uncle calls me maybe two weeks before that, that film came out, and he's like, I'm a struggling actor, man. I'm not booking anything. Um, and he's like, hey, um, we're producing this um, show about people who go on holiday and they get abducted, and we're shooting a reconstruction. Do you want to be in it? And I and it was called My Holiday Hostage Hell, and it's on my IMDb. <laughs> and uh, it shot in Wales over a couple of nights, and I'd never like I, I wasn't breaking into anything. Um, and he was like, you know, we can't pay you. It's my own uncle. He didn't pay me, <laughs> but you get a credit out of it or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And it it turns out that I it would be the night that the Dark Knight came out. I wouldn't make it. And I chose to do a free reconstruction with no dialogue, uh, then use those Dark Knight tickets. So I gave the tickets to my boys, right? Now that night, they went, it was the midnight showing. I had rapped, but I was in Wales. Um, I took it over. I, I remember we somehow, I got back into town the next day. So I got home. Obviously, I missed the showing. I didn't want to talk to my boys who had just seen it, but I did get wind that they had a wonderful time, so I'm happy for them. <laughs> because it's heartbreaking, I am going to allow that as your worst movie memory, despite the fact you were neither in a cinema or watching said movie. Okay, so the third poster depicts the last performance that brought you to tears. Oh, my God. Last performance that brought me to tears. Mm. Um, this is in the theatre. The bar is really low, is the truth. You're a you're a crier. Yeah, 
the bar is so fucking low That's for tears. I will give you an example. Because right now, if, if I'm going to be real strict to your rules and I'm not lying, mm. then you're going to have to put up the Cobra Kai season five poster randomly in this movie theater because that's what i'm currently watching and, the, and i tweeted about it because i actually am crying in the picture so this is verified i cried because they brought back what was her character's name she's from karate kid part three yeah I, she I, was the girl that they didn't they never hooked up she was just like eh, i have a boyfriend it was the weirdest like love interest thing that they did anyway she's talking to daniel larusso's wife from the show and she's like He's like, you know, Daniel Lewis's wife, like, you know, oh, he's overreacting about Terry Silver and Mike Barnes. And then she says, you don't know what they did to him. They, and then she lists all the things they did to him in part three of Karate Kid while showing the footage. And they had the soundtrack playing and you can see Pat Morita and it plays all the snippets of like Daniel LaRusso fighting with Miyagi, getting upset, being like abused and assaulted. And, the, and I burst into fucking tears like I had this weird PTSD. I just was like, <laughs> over, quite, yeah. So I don't know if we should put anything up there because it's a mess. Everything has. I I, I've, I I mean, like Hayden Christensen in, in I, everything's brought me to tears. Okay. Yeah, he's, in the prequels, I cried when I first saw that. So it don't, like, it's not a good bar for me. Um, but like, uh, oh God. So it feels like a real shit answer. I'll tell you what consistently makes me cry. Consistently the performance. Stallone and Rocky. Somehow, since the 70s, no matter how jacked he is or what style of movie it is or what era those movies are, Stallone has always manages. He's got so much heart as an actor. He's so wonderful that, you know, you've got what he does in one, I think a lot of us can relate to as, you know, when we're struggling with our careers and who we are and we haven't settled and he really captures that, uh, that, that period, like for me anyway, before my career took off. And then you've got the stuff like in the relationship and then you've got loss. And then even in Balboa, when he's dealing with the chemo and, and oh my God, like he is consistent. No actors consistently got me like he has for some reason. And the way he cries and the way he fights his tears is, is I'll, I'll put Rocky up. I'll take Cobra Kai season five down. <laughs> yeah, wait, is it that's is it Creed? It's which is which is the one where? Oh, sorry, Creed. Is, Creed. Is, excuse me. Yeah, Balboa's no. when Adrian and, and he's dealing with a widower yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Creed's when he's dealing with the chemo and stuff, and mm. and and sweet God, like amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then he puts a real picture of his son in Creed you know, at the back, because he had just passed away in real life. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's he, you know, he, and he does all these scenes where he's talking to freaking Adrian and she's just a, a tombstone. Um, he gets me. I also just showed, uh, me, me and my girlfriend just w watched Million Dollar Baby. I showed it to her for the first time. She's very upset with that film. She called it, it was grief porn. She doesn't understand it. She's so angry because I didn't give her any context. And it just was like the way she describes just how terrible that film gets for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just shitting on its fucking wood. Do you like these characters? Eat some more fucking shit. Then he goes, and she was like, and she, I remember her saying to me, she was like, that movie, she was like, it's fine. It's a decent movie, but it's not going to stay with me. 
bullshit because we've spoken about it every few days for the last month. It comes up in conversation, Makushla. Um, yeah, because I'm on a Clint, I'm on a Clint Eastwood tear right now, so I've been exposing her to all of Clint Eastwood's movies. Um, so yeah, so we we did Million Dollar Baby. Nice. Mm. All right. Uh, so numerous uh, performances brought you to tears, but we're going with Stallone in any of the Rockies. Our final poster yeah. depicts your unpopular movie opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. It's me. not unpopular. Well, it has to I be. I have a popular take. Uh, but okay, fine. Like, I love this movie, but I know that people don't. That's okay. That's unpopular. Yeah, I get that. All right. That works. So arguably my top three favorite movies of all time, it's Dolph Lundgren's Masters of the Universe. That poster has to be there. I think that like, it doesn't take much people to Google. This person's not my favorite person in the world. I just worked with them and there's caused some issues. But his performance, Mr. Langella's performance in Masters of the Universe <clears throat> is one of the best fucking movie villains ever. Um, yeah, anyway, I <laughs> can't really talk about him too much. But um, he's a skeletal, yeah. His performance is still fucking amazing. I'm separating everything from, and I'm being as objective as possible. So it's got to be that fucking good for me to even bring his name up. Mm. Um, but, but his skeletal is phenomenal. The dude is buried under like four inches of fucking prosthetic. His vocal work, I, I know that, uh, and he told me personally the ad libbing of of Shakespeare and the rewrites he was doing. He that's what I meant to talk to you about when you just go so hard and you didn't have to. Dolph didn't even speak English, right? And he was having to phonetically get through the script uh, because they saw him as Ivan Drago and they were like, that's a He-Man. Can he speak English? We don't care. <laughs> and he, so he's doing that. And, you know, the budget, that that movie, if you listen to the podcast about it, it's falling apart and they're pulling fucking, you know, they pulled the the, 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 the the power cord out. Before they shot that final fight, they had to do it secretly in the dark. That's why it looks like that. And then for no reason, he's just like doing that performance. I It just, and that's what I, and that to me, like coming from, you know, it's it's it's. I I I feel like there's a a, a real lesson in that movie because it's like like you know I was on the CW and CW very good to me. CW gave me my career, and they are memed to a certain degree. And I didn't understand that cultural shift. Like no one in the UK knows what a CW actor means. Or at least I didn't. I didn't at the time. And you know. Uh, we, I feel like on iZombie, you know, Rob and, and the cast and the writers, we all went hard in the paint and we didn't have to. Like Rose, we didn't have to because, you know, we didn't have the largest audience. We were having fun. It was a fun, silly concept on a, on a comic book that was niche. But we went so fucking hard in the paint because we loved what we did and we just wanted to. And it's and it stands, that that's why it still keeps getting fans and people going back to it because... Yeah, and anyway, so his performance, it's the first time I learned movie dialogue. It's the first thing I could recite as a kid. Um, it's It was my first movie love without knowing 
what I was experiencing, what it was like, because uh, yeah, I'm a 1985 baby, and that was one of the first VHSs that you could use to babysit me. Was that movie? And yeah, I could I could still do the skeletal speech where he's like, you know, doing his monologue, and he's it's um, they call it the trans- the song's called Transformation of Skeletal, but it's that thing he does, you know. I feel it. The power feel. Anyway, that that that. Wait, remind yeah, me. I that, can't remember that bit. What's that bit? So Dolph is strapped up, and then they go. The eye opens, and he goes. Now I, Skeletor, am master of the universe, and the power of the universe like transforms him into a gold. And during it, he says, um, "So it goes. Uh, I, Skeletor." I'm now the master of the universe. I feel it. The power fills me. Yes, I feel the universe within me. I am a part of the cosmos. Um, and it moves through me. Oh, but what consequence are these people now? This planet, these people, they are nothing to me. The universe is power, pure, unstoppable power. And I am that force. I am that power. Kneel before your... Mo- anyway, that monologue. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I haven't done it in since I was a kid. But that, I, three years old, maybe? Four years old? Yeah. So that's my unpopular thing. His performance is one of the best movie villain performances of all time. Vader, you know, you 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 Jack Nicholson, whatever, and he's there. It's there. It's up there. But I'm isolating it. I'm being objective. I understand that, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your honesty. And we are genuinely looking at Frank Langella's performance. As Skeletor in Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) All right. We've arrived at the last set of doors. We push them open and enter the auditorium. The crowd goes wild. The guests of honor have arrived. Yourself and George Lucas walking in. The door is empty. (laughs) Yeah, you see, I've always had a crowd uh, with you, but... If you would like me to put over the tannoy that everyone now should they can leave. Leave, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll take our applause because I love the attention. Okay. Now go. They're gone. You and George Lucas sit down in the middle where the THX sound is the best. So mm. before the movie you pick for us begins, one of the best things about going to the cinema is the trailers. So we're gonna play the trailer for the film that you are most looking forward to. What film are you most looking forward to? Uh, I, I'm probably going to say Oppenheimer or something. I, I always, I love what Nolan's created. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, it's, it's Tarantino has that. And there are a few people that have that it's bums on seats because of who it is, not necessarily the content. And it's like, what are you going to do this time? And this could be in theory, the, the, the material lends itself to one of his most, could be one of his most conventional movies. Um, or he might, it might not be at all. And <clears throat> obviously he has a habit of playing with time and space and things like that. And so we'll see. Um, and I, I love Killian Murphy. I think he's one of the best actors of this generation. Um, the cast looks amazing. So that's, that's, that's going to be a, that'll be a bummer. That I'll risk the crowds for. Yeah. Yeah. For the Nolan experience of it all. Yeah. Cause he's never let me down really. Oh, except Tenant. I didn't go and watch Tenant. I've not seen it. No, I didn't either. Because I, I auditioned for it. Oh, okay. That's not why I didn't see it. What, yeah. what you auditioned uh, no, for it. Yeah, I'm a stubborn cunt. If I audition for something and I don't get it, I never watch it. I've not watched Ring of Power. I've not watched Tenant. Um, 
I, I'm just a stop. I'm a prick. I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough for you. And then I won't watch the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, so Tenet, you auditioned for, did it go well? Did you think you'd got it? And then. No, it's just, it was, um, I knew I was auditioning for, 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 for Nolan. And was he it there? Was dummy, no, no, no. It was tape. Right. Um, and it was dummy sides, no title, no character description, nothing. It doesn't say anything and it's a fake monologue and they don't have, they don't even give you something like male. <laughs> they don't even say like, not one thing to be like funny, the brains. You have nothing. <coughs> or at least I did. And um, so I didn't know what the fuck I was auditioning for. Um, I just had to do this monologue to camera. And then um, I would say like, six months later or so tenant was like we knew what tenant was and, and i was like oh that's probably what i read for but i just never got around to it because if you're not gonna cast me why should i watch your shit <laughs> it's personal now uh, so how did you join it's true though i've not watched ring of power I'm not so wait you auditioned for that as well and yeah four times or three times i saw the showrunner he said the thing that we choked when casting was they had to be exceptional. But they also had to have something in their eyes, he said. It was like I saw a clickbait headline, Tolkien in their eyes. And I was like, oh, so I don't have Tolkien in my eye. I don't know. I, I'm just too hostile. I'm so high strung, Alec. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Right then. It's now time, I would say, to announce to our excited audience, but you've asked them to leave. So it's now time to announce to George Lucas the movie we're watching tonight. He thinks we're going to watch Empire Strikes Back, which is my favourite movie of all time and I've never actually seen in the movies. Because he's like, why would he bring me here? Surely it's probably to watch my own film. But... I'm going to pick <coughs> the movie that I think <coughs> is one of the best movies that's come out in the last 15 years uh, and was my best cinema experience ever as an adult. I'm picking Fury Road. Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, that will wow. still put... Because I, I, I even have gone to um, re-showings even now. Like, I'll still go out and see that. Um, that's what cinema's for, man. That's why you go to the movie theaters. Um, I, I can happily watch Jesse James and There Will Be Blood and Godfather. I, that that's that for me. I want to watch The Godfather at home with a cup of tea, and mm. I want to take a piss break and have a cigarette. But I want to watch Mad Max again in the in the theater. I saw that. I think it was 2015. It came out from right, and Mad Max. I'm a was a Tom Hardy. And still am a Tom Hardy stan. I'm a massive fan of him and his work. So if Tom's done it, I'm going to go see it. Uh, so that was the only, in I didn't really have an interest in the Mad Max franchise. Um, I hadn't really seen many reviews. Didn't really know much about the movie. Um, I had just shot iZombie and I was living on Hollywood Boulevard and it was the first time I was in America. I was living alone. I was going through some shit. I lived on the fucking Walk of Fame I've just done my first season of TV. I'm terrified that where am I? What's going on? What the fuck am I up to? I've never lived alone. I have this weird apartment next to the Pantages Theatre. 
so I was just living in surreal worlds. And that night I walked to the Arc Light, which for people who've traveled, it's on Sunset Boulevard. And then next to it is the famous Cinema Dome. It's the Dome Cinema. You'll you'll recognize it if you saw it, because I believe it's in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Um, and the auditorium itself is, um, uh, I'm going to pull up a picture for you. Uh, it's, you, you're sitting in a, in a dome, basically. Um, I'm going to get this right. Cause I, I, that's, and I went there alone to this like super famous historic. Yes. Uh, Cinerama dome is what it's called. And, um, y- if you see the pictures, like it's massive. There's one on Google Images of the Arclight Cinerama Dome, but you can see it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's been around for years. It was the only t- it was the first time I'd been to that theater, and I went alone to see Fury Road because I was free in the evening. Um, and we all sat there, and it was one of the best audiences. It was rammed. Uh, there wasn't a single seat, um, and. Uh, from the second that fucking movie started, like no movie grabs you by the throat like Mad Max Fury Road. And it just doesn't stop like, you know, from from the lizard scene at the beginning on his back to him being caught, to the tattoo, to running. And even when he's caught and they pull him back in, even the title sequence that just goes, boom, and it just shakes <laughs> at you and then it moves on again. And like for like two hours or whatever, it's just... It's easily one of my favorite films ever. And and I I think it's super, like, I, look, like I said, I could sit here with you now and talk about Godfather Part 1 and Part 2 and Goodfellas and Shawshank and all this. Like, we, we're all repeating the same shit because there's a reason why they're incredible. So I'm using this as an opportunity to remind myself that some of your favorite movies have come out in the last decade, 15 years. Mad Max is one of them. Um a movie that I think is the perfect movie from top to bottom on every level. I love that movie. I love that movie so much. I, I think I've watched the trailer. I mean, even since watching the movie, I still sometimes, whenever I'm feeling a bit low, there's there are a few different trailers, but the trailer that is set to Verdi's uh, Requiem uh, is possibly the greatest movie trailer uh, yeah. I, I, I've ever watched. The Jun Jun. Dun, dun, and like it's, oh yeah, dun, dun. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's 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 a work of art in its own right. But yeah, I, I do love that movie, and I do love Tom Hardy in that movie. I sort of understand like why he was a little bit like you know he, he famously at that press conference he apologized to George Miller. Yeah, because like, he said he didn't get it. He didn't know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But like by all accounts, there was no script. It was a storyboard. There was like this is what we're shooting today these images here and sort of it's like he George Miller, obviously he's got fucking men on bendy poles, like (laughs) explosions happening. So perhaps he doesn't have quite enough time to explain, you know, exactly what he wants from you. But yeah, it's it's a beautiful film. It really is. And and, and I understand that like, again, it always comes back to Star Wars, but like, that's the experience that George had, you know, making that it's like, people are like, the fuck's this, hairy carpet monster dude like we gotta take this shit seriously what are we doing who cares and like obviously after the fact you're like holy shit you're a genius and miller obviously had that with because i i know that 
I'm a little bit, I'm not an asshole, not even close, but I am also not like a fake sweetheart. Everything so happy to be here. Kiss the ground. Good morning. I don't mind. Keep me waiting for 13 hours. I'm just glad to be here. No, I'm not that either. I like to work. Let's fucking move. And on that movie, I would have been bitching every night on FaceTime to the missus. I'd have been like, I don't know what the fuck we're making. This is a big fucking mistake. Like, I ate it. <laughs> we're saying weird words. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Holt is saying some weird shit. And he's, I, I, anyway, I like, I don't, I, I would be regretting it until, because that movie, I would imagine was grueling to make. Was it N Namibia they shot? They had some, anyway, it just sounded like it was a real tough, tough shoot. But that movie's also like made in post, right? Like once you get that Junkie XL soundtrack in and, and, um, fuck me. Like, like how would, how would Tom feel when he's strapped to the hood of a car and he's got a muzzle. Um, and then there's a dude behind him with an electric guitar shooting flames. You'd be like, I might have made a mistake on this one. I thought I was just playing Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That movie. And I remember there's some, there was a social media post about the simplicity of that movie, which is like, um, they go in this direction. Yeah. And then they go back and that's it that's the whole fucking movie it's Do you know the other awesome thing is that uh like it does world building without insulting your intelligence like it doesn't over explain itself mm. it just world builds and moves on like that whole thing at the start where it's like we're heading to what is it a gas town and bullet farm i think it is yeah and it's like yeah. you are left to like uh, you know you're so you put the pieces together in your head of course they've got a, a location here where they make bullets and Gas Town is where and they. That's we, where all the yeah gasoline like, is, and you don't even need to see them. It's just sort of like you get the idea of this working industry. And, and his one is mother's milk, just breast milk, right? Mm. Which is the only, and that's what his farm is, because that's what the trade is, isn't it? Isn't it the milk for the? I think that's his export, and it's women. It's exploitation, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He has the women hooked up to the breast, but I think that's there because the other guys are bullets and he's gas and i think he's he's um yeah he's milk i think i could be wrong i need to rewatch it again but um but yeah i also got two parking tickets cuz uh, sorry uh, driving tickets because of that fucking movie speeding afterwards brothers in yeah brothers in arms junkie xl um twice cuz i i just bought a mustang and i got the uh, yeah so i uh, it was my first first car was the 2015 when they redesigned it and then yeah. i got the, the 2017 and I still have that now and I <clears throat> drove it up to Vancouver Vancouver's like London in LA LA's a mess LA is like Mad Max you know this you can go whatever speed you want do you want to use your indicators it's up to you no one fucking cares I've never been brought over by the police and I, I've done varying speed limits I don't even know sometimes like what is the freeway again is it 90 <laughs> who knows it's it's a it's it that for me is is where freedoms and America exist. Is that for some reason driving in LA, you just do what the fuck you want. As long as no one dies, you're all right. Change six lanes, diagonal. Just go. Like there's no rules. And um and and so I that's how I learned to drive uh on in this country was in LA that summer with my Mustang. And then I had to drive it up to Vancouver. So I drove it 20 hours up. Then I'm driving around Vancouver and their speed limit is 30 kilometers an hour on the streets, like kilometers. <laughs> and um, 
Junkie XL came on on the Viaduct Bridge, which famously is where they shot Deadpool, that fight sequence. And then as soon as it hit the, uh, there's a part of that song, because it has all of the, anyway, but there's a part where the melody comes in, beautiful piece of music. Anyway, as the song came on, it swelled. I fucking let go. And within seconds, I go, woo! That's like, fuck! <laughs> and I got hit with my first ticket, which was a massive problem because I don't have a Canadian license. So it caused more bullshit than I needed in my life because they were like, yo, you're not even fucking supposed to be driving here. You're on a work permit. You do that again, we're going to ban you and shit. And I, I would, yeah. So, and then I did it again, but they let me off the second time. It's my it's my, my gym song because for some reason and yeah whenever it plays I just get very excitable. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road, that's your first movie. Of course, it's a double bill tonight, and the second film mm. is the movie that is most important to you. The second film you're screening is the movie that is most important to you. What is it? It's the one that started my career. It's a cop out, but you knew it's coming. I have to be authentic. It's Star Wars. Um, that. That first VHS, man, I truly believe I had two timelines, right? And I was, I saw the movie and there was a fork in the road and it was where I'm at now or where I would be if I hadn't have seen Star Wars. And I believe that they are so wildly different. Um, and I'd have to watch it with, with, with dad, with, with George Lucas, um, that I wouldn't be here without it. Um, I experienced and learned so many things from Star Wars. I learned about, it helped me through a tough time at school. It, I learned about the, the real, real um, benefit of escapism and the earliest way of understanding as a kid how to take care of your own mental health knowing how to mentally check out and do something for yourself. And that was Star Wars, you know, watch it. And then for two and a half hours, whatever doesn't exist and whatever you're going through is put on the back burner. And um, it was my first, you know, I, I loved Ghostbusters and He-Man and stuff, but I didn't experience fandom like I did with, with Star Wars where like, you know, we had a school library and they had a couple of Star Wars books. So you, you know, you, you're, it was the first time you were able to facilitate, like I was a gamer as well. And, and then I was like, oh, now I have this entire LucasArts catalog on top of that. Like everything, I became a collector of, and, and then I would, you know, started doing even painting and modeling. And so it, it was the first time I really, I could just I could go all day doing different things in that universe as much as I wanted to, and then I became obsessed from that movie. I, I became obsessed with special effects, and I was a pretty good. I think I told you this. I was a pretty good drawer, like uh, artist, and I became like my goal. I, I knew I wanted to work with computers. So I was like video games and special effects. One of the two would be great. And that's where I wanted to be. And it was either, and so basically it was either going to be ILM or LucasArts, right? And I was like, I have to contribute to this universe. I have to, I've taken so much from it and I, I want to, I want to be a part of it so deeply. Um, and um, somehow I ended up with the acting side of it instead. Um 
And yeah, I did book a Star Wars project. Um, uh, but I uh, wasn't able to do it, turned it down. Because uh, there were conflicts with Midnight Mass. And I didn't want to compromise anything with Mass. And I Just scheduling I, conflicts. Sort of. I can't give too much away, but I basically I I could have made it work, but mass would have there would have been a few like things that wouldn't have, it, it would it I I yeah I there would there I I I wanted to do mass in its entirety. I wanted to commit to it properly. I wanted to make certain choices. Uh wouldn't have been able to make if if I was able to do the other project. So I booked it. I knew I booked it. I killed that audition. Um, everyone was super excited. And then I was like, can't do it. And um, and that was even more of an incredible feeling was I was like, and then you said no. You said, I can't. And I did Midnight Mass and made one of my favorite pieces of art ever. Um, and then, you know, and, and Mike was aware that that had happened. And obviously his love for me and commitment to him, he, just, you know, he was, I think he respected that. And then he casts Mark Hamill and makes sure that we share a scene together. So everything comes back around and that's even more impressive that you, Luke Skywalker becomes your mate. But yeah, so um, I don't know where I sit with Star Wars anymore. Um, but and I met Dave Filoni actually uh, last year briefly, which was super cool. Um, we were at the Saturn Awards show because I was presenting Mike me and Kate were presenting Mike with the like lifetime achievement award or contribution. Uh-huh. And so I was at the table sitting next to Mike and I was sandwiched between Mike and Hamish link later. Um, and it was the first time I really spent time with Hamish when, cause I didn't really talk to him very much when we were doing the show. And it turns out he's this like fucking hilarious troll of a man. I love him. <laughs> he's so funny. No, obviously like I, I think he's like one of the most incredible actors. Um, but then I met him like that dinner just changed my perception of him completely. But anyway, while we were at this um, <laughs> award show, they were like, and the winner is the Mandalorian. And then I looked and I didn't realize that the table next to us was John Favreau, Dave Filoni. Um, I can't remember who else was at that table. And I went, oh. <laughs> and, and, and Mike like was next to me. And I remember he looked and he went, eh. um, so I, in the wings before I presented uh, Mike with the award, I was behind John Favreau and I just said to him, um, Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for Mando. Um, Cause to be fair, that and Rogue One are probably the only things I really loved or like. Um, and then uh, once the event was done, Everyone sort of stood up and, you know, we'd given out all the awards. And then I made a beeline for Dave Filoni. Uh, I'm a massive Clone Wars fan. And uh, I made a beeline for him and he saw me coming. And he was on his side of the table and I approached him from the opposite side and he did this to me. <laughs> and I went like that. And then we met around and he went, I know you. And I didn't, I was so t- taken aback by it. I didn't process that enough. 
that I moved the conversation on and I was like, oh my God, Mr. Filoni, I just want to say thank you for the firmware update, the Clone Wars. And like, just, I was just gushing about that. And then I was like, please tell me that Cad Bane will be live action one day. And he went, don't know, maybe not. Not <laughs> knowing that they had already done the Boba Fett and used Cad Bane. But, um, and then it was, and then that happened. We had this exchange and we spoke about the force. <laughs> For some reason, talking about Star Wars, and then you know, moved on, and then it wasn't until it was done and that rush is over, and I went, "Wait, know me from how?" And the, the moment had gone because I just didn't fucking think. I was like, "What? Do you want to work? Do you want me in Mandalorian? How do you know me? Is it because I trolled everyone over casting? Have I upset you?" And I never got an answer because I just didn't fucking process that he did that at the beginning. Anyway, Star Wars. Oh. Uh, I I hate to pressure you, but you cannot just say Star Wars. You are going to have to pick one of the movies. So Empire Strikes Back is my favorite, mm. but it's I'm going to choose A New Hope. I'm going to do 1977. Okay, because that's where it, you know that's that I was on board before Empire. I was on board after that one. I was like, you know, so it's not like I saw, you know, 77 and went all right, I like where this is going. I'm going to need a little bit more. Like I was in, even if that was the only movie that ever came out. Um, Empire is, is what I can, Empire is what I use at like fancy movie savant jerk-off fests. That's how I shut them up. They go, oh, you like start Empire Strikes Back? And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it holds, it, had, it holds the critical. I liked Jedi as a kid. Um, yeah. Because I found Empire spent too much time on the Degabar system. Uh, I got a bit. Oh, okay. That was, you got it was a bit just me. With that. I got a little bit bored. No, no, no. I, but, I remember. I, I remember as a kid, I went through phases because I think there was something super uh, satis, uh, satisfying about Jedi. Mm. Um, that as a kid, Empire didn't satisfy. If that makes sense, like the Emperor with the Luke throne room stuff as a kid was like the final battle, like, you know, it was the final boss yeah. battle of that, that, that thing. Whereas empire wasn't, but uh, empire for me became overtook the other two as I got older and I, I, I took some life lessons from it and there it is a complete movie and it is a complete lesson. It's just not one that is satisfying. Um, Luke didn't fucking listen. And wasn't willing to sacrifice. He wasn't willing to make that sacrifice. And and the sacrifice was was to leave well alone, and focus on the bigger picture, and stay with me here because you are going to lose. You are going to lose. You're not ready, and you're being baited. It's not even. It's not even hidden. They are baiting you and saying, "Come over, come in," and. And, and we are experienced enough to and 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 know what we're talking about. We don't think you should go. And he's like, "Yeah, but they're going to torture my friends. They're going to they're going to kill the people I love the most. What's the fucking point? Like, what's the point? Yeah, sure, restore for, for the balance to the Force and take on Darth Vader and avenge my father as he perceived it to be." But what's the point of doing all of that great or good stuff if you don't have the people that mean the most to you? Like that's who, you know, what's, what is this? Why the things we do, like the sacrifice I make, 
to leave the country and have this career and never be home. To be fair, yeah, it's wonderful that these people reach out to me and and I get to do these this, these things and meet these people. But who fucking cares if like I don't have mum, dad, and and that and and my boys? Like who cares? Who, who they don't like? Who do I call when I meet Mark? Who does I call? I call Mum. I don't tweet about it. I called Mum straight away, and and because they care, they understand it, and that's the Empire Strikes Back. Because who cares? He knows he's being baited, and he knows he's going to get his ass kicked, and he knows that it probably is. It, they might all die, but he does it anyway, and he 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 goes against it, and obviously manages to get you know he doesn't even rescue them they rescue him he does not do anything except maybe stop the torture because they then know that they've got luke mm. but outside of that there's no grand rescue leia sorts herself out chewie does it r2 does it lando turns they all they all sort their own shit out and then they have to pick him up while he's dangling at the bottom of this of the thing um and that's the thing is, yeah, it's not, sometimes you don't have to necessarily do the right thing. You have to do what's right by you. That's the, for me, the, the Luke story of that. He didn't do the right thing. Um, it was stupid, but he could live with himself because he made that choice and he wasn't, he, 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 he put a boundary up. Yeah, cool. I, you know, I'll do the training and I'll come back. I'll do it, but I've got to do it on my terms because I'm not, I'm, these people aren't people I'm willing to just sacrifice. Go fuck yourself. And and his his dad was the same too in a certain way. You know, Yoda had that same cold thing. Yeah. Oh, you you think Padme's going to die? Train yourself to just like, you know, not care. And that's <laughs> terrible. You know, and these are from, you know, savant. These are people that are wise, experienced sages. And, you know, you got to do what's right for you. And And so it was a victory at the end of the day. It, it sort of is. It's it's we fight another day. I live to fight another day. That's the end of that story. All right, but I'll be I'll come back better. I got my ass kicked, but I did what I got went to do. I can live with myself. I ran into the blaze, knowing I couldn't handle it because I love these people, and for the most part, we're all right. And Hans, he's still alive, so let's sort that out. Let's get Han back. That to me is satisfactory. I can I can be satisfied with that as a grown up. You don't get it all the whole the whole way. You don't get a party at the end. You don't get fucking celebration and a medal for everything. Sometimes all you have is yourself and how you feel about yourself. And I bet you at the end of that, when Luke gets his hand back and he puts his arm around Leia, I bet he's happy with himself. Though I bet he can sleep at night knowing that he made that decision. Well, you know, I'm going to have to go and watch Empire Strikes Back immediately after this interview. <laughs> Fucking hell, man! I mean, I might be, great. I might be stretching, but no. that's 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 what that is, right? That's my interpretation of that. Um, wow. Yeah, and that's that's why you're picking a, a new hope uh, for the movie you're screening, though. A new hope. Not that one. I'm picking a new hope. <laughs> a new hope. Yeah, <laughs> got you. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, that's it. We've seen the movies uh, as a very kind gesture to the audience who you kicked out. Uh, yeah. They're still waiting in the foyer. You've printed out T-shirts with your favorite movie quotes on them. Uh, unfortunately, they were at the door. So you're going to you and George are going to have to carry them out to the, the audience who are 
probably a little bummed at not getting to share Fury Road and A New Hope with you, but still, mm. they get a T-shirt. What is printed on the T-shirt? What's your favorite movie quote? My favorite movie quote? Um, I would have to say, fuck, um, it might be the one that, one short sentence that raised the hairs on the back of my neck in, I think, 1999. And it's Lawrence Fishburne when he says, he is the one. And it was the moment that Keanu stands back up after the gunshots and he sees the code and, and then he dispatches Smith with one hand. And like when it's that moment, it's the, it's the, the payoff of that. Like, yeah, that's one of my favorites. It's so succinct. Like it's such an, it's like, there's no, like may the force be with you has a, a word in it. That's made up for the movie, but just something as simple as he is the one. And you know, Oh, Oh yeah. He is the one. That yeah. might be it. So where it's the way the the corridor sort of warm expands. Oh, he sort of flexes. Yeah, yeah, when he flexes. Yeah, the control yeah. he shows. It's it's the Matrix is sadly, I think, uh, watered down. Um, but if you take that movie ninety nine uh, standalone, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Bar none, one of the best sci-fi's easily top th- top five. Um, uh, when we get into Reloaded Revolutions and whatever the new one is, like yeah, things get sketchy and mm. it gets divisive. But but that alone, from start to finish, is the, another perfect movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yourself and George are now leaving the cinema. You're walking out to your favorite piece of music, or song from a movie a movie soundtrack what is playing on the cinema speakers as you walk out um <laughs> i've got so much to choose from hans zimmer danny elfman you know john williams i am so do uh, uh ennio morricone i'm very well versed in movie soundtrack so when i pick this know that i'm not just pulling something out of my ass all right all right I trust this is you. my expertise i believe you Kavinsky Night Call Drive. It's one of the best title sequence music I've ever heard in my entire life. It set the fucking tone. It 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 you obviously you get that car race. Sorry, car speed um driving scene. Um my brain's not working, but with Ryan Goslin to set what he's his skill set, I drive. And then it you what the fuck are you watching? Okay, so he's a he's a getaway driver. And everything is pretty by the numbers at that point. It's shot like an action movie and you're like, okay, cool. Um, But then it's boom, downtown LA skyline, right? As soon as that electric song starts, and then pink lightning, neon pink drive in that font and gossip. You're like, wait, what the fuck is this? And then these slow montage shots of him looking and then it's overlaid with another one and then he's yeah. driving through the city and it's my favorite intro to a movie. And then there's an innate, there's a sadness to that music and I related to it. There's a, there's a real scene that still brings me to tears. Again, I'm sensitive though, so it doesn't really mean shit. 
But it, but everything you need to know about his character, you find out in that intro. So we know what his skill set is. Is does he have a family? Does he have any aspirations? What's his life like? What does he do? Is he whatever? Oh, we're watching a music video all of a sudden. Just this cool music video to this amazing song. And then he drives his car, still in the same title sequence. He drives his car. He parks it in his bay. He parks it in his bay without really looking. So it's routine. You get, you just see him just pull in. He goes up, he's got his money bag and he opens it and it's this sterile, cold apartment. And he looks out to the downtown LA and then he, he shuffles his bag off. He puts it down and just leaves and he shuts the light off and they, they have it edited to the beat, right? And he just walks back out of his own apartment and turns the light off. And then it pulls away and then he's driving through downtown. And everything you need to know about his life and how cold it is and 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 um, who he is and what he's about and what his energy is like is all done in a music video before we get into the movie. And then we learn, okay, he's a stunt driver and he moves in this building and Oscar Isaac's in it for some reason. And like, but but that sadness of him resonated with me because that's around that time, not long after. So I always listen to that song anyway. It's my favorite song, but um, that was my life and is still my life. And I still wrestle with the sadness of that. I, I, I get depressed. I suffer from depression and a lot of it is brought on by my job. And it's like something that's been so good to me and something that I love and something that has given me everything I've wanted has also taken away something and I've lost family. I've lost soul. I've lost heart. I, shoot predominantly in Vancouver and Los Angeles, but mainly I've been up here alone. I rap. I walk into a hotel room. I have nothing to do. I have no one to see, no home cooking. I put my bag down every time and end up just leaving or going out somewhere. So that song and that intro and everything, it's all just wrapped up into one. Like I drive into the same parking bay now the same way and I feel like that character in some ways, that sadness anyway, that they managed to capture. So I'll always listen to that song. But yeah, uh, that's the song that's playing. This is a weird cinema night, isn't it? George is there. <laughs> There's no fucking like order. To, it's just chaos. <laughs> Masters of the Universe poster. We sort of watch Mad Max. Yeah, we're in America, but we're not. It's 1pm, but we're eating Pick-A-Mix. Ah. <laughs> Well, before uh, we let you get your cab, there is our mystery question. It's time for what's in the box? Sorry, with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? So the mystery question this week: um, If there was a Warhammer 40k movie, would you be first in line? Only if I if I audition for it and I don't get it, then I won't fucking watch it. <laughs> so as long as as they never approach me for any role and I don't get it, then um, yeah, I w would I be first in line? Absolutely. If it's Space Marines, the the Warhammer things funny because I know you messaged me about it. Mm. I'm not a, a, a day oneer. Um, Warhammer this is a so thing. oh mad recent, yeah. yeah. Um, but in the community just went nuts with me bringing it up mm. and like I've never had 
the the warm embrace of fandom bosom be like this before like to this speed as soon as i was like hey 40k like citadel uh darren latham who's like citadel's uh or games workshops like top sculptor and he's been like they're one of their heavy metal painters and he's been around worked for them for 25 years he whatsapps me now and it's like i think the base color is a little bit too light and I'm like, all right, cheers. <laughs> and like, so all the like prominent people in that world reach out and are like getting me better and teaching me stuff. And it's been fucking awesome. The community has been fucking awesome. Oh, mate. Uh, well, uh, we'll have to do, we'll have to do a whole episode at some point on 40K. And we'll also have to do a deep dive on uh, the fall of the House of Usher. I'll bring my models with me. And we can compare paint jobs uh, yeah. after it's released. I'm down. Lovely. Well then, let's recap this trip. Rahul Kohli, you have gone to the cinema with George Lucas and because of your indecision have left Oscar-winning actor Daniel Day-Lewis outside on his own. You've somehow accessed the cinema's sound system in the foyer to play Across the Stars colon love theme from Attack the Clones You've booked tickets for the 1pm showing, so it's quiet. You're seated in the centre, in the middle, so George Lucas can appreciate his own brand, THX Sound Design. You've had as much pick and mix as you can carry, including pink shrimps, yellow bananas thrown in with sour laces and cola bottles. You've been dragged away from pumping all the butter over your popcorn and had some sweet popcorn instead. Having kicked the audience out, just you and George Lucas are going to watch Mad Max Fury Road, followed by Star Wars A New Hope. Raul Coley, thank you very much. Have you enjoyed your trip to the movies? Yeah, it was all right, yeah. <laughs> I, liked, I liked how empty it was. <laughs> well, your taxi awaits, so it's a very goodbye. Rahul Kohli. And as Rahul's cab pulls away off into the virtual distance, I can tell you there is loads more to this conversation and a lot more about Warhammer 40k. Uh, we got into it to a degree that it could not fit into this podcast. So if you want to hear more, then you need to head to our Patreon where the full interview will be up there along with the full video interview as well, plus loads of extras. You can find us on Patreon. I'll be back next week with another trip.